Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited for today's story as it takes us way back in time, spanning centuries, and we enter into the arena of demigods and invading armies. The Empire of Chitara or the Chwezi Empire, Empire of the Sun, Empire of the Moon, Empire of the Light, refers to the kingdom of the Vanya Chitara. At the time of its greatest expansion, it ruled much of the Nile Valley and beyond. When the ancient kingdom of Aksum disintegrated around 940 AD into the Nubian kingdom of Makuria, the medieval Zagwe dynasty, and the kingdoms of Damot and Shewa, another kingdom broke away in the south to form the empire of Chitara. At its height, it consisted of what is modern-day Uganda, northern Tanzania, the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwanda, Burundi, Zambia, and Malawi. Embedded within the rich traditional history of Uganda is the tale of the Great Chitara Empire, one of the oldest kingdom settings that existed in the Interlacastrian, known as the Great Lakes region. This is a story in three acts, as according to oral tradition, the area of the Great Lakes of Africa was first ruled by a dynasty called the Batembuzi, succeeded by the Chwezi dynasty, which lasted until the 16th century, when it eventually collapsed and was succeeded by the Babito. Not much is known about the medieval civilization of the first people, the Batembuzi, as their origins are shrouded in myth and legend. There is very little concurrence among scholars regarding the Batembuzi time period in history, though it is believed that their reign dates back to the height of Africa's Bronze Age, more than a thousand years before the birth of Christ. The story goes that they are the forebears of the empire of Chitara and were demigods, both human and divine, belonging to the earth and to the underworld. It is said that their divine nature made them great magicians and hunters, and they are known in the oral traditions from Bunyoro, Toro, Ankole, Rwanda, and Karagwe. It is said that the founder of the Batembuzi dynasty was Ruhanga, also considered to be the creator. Interestingly, the lineage of the Batembuzi does not descend directly from Ruhanga, but rather from his brother, who fathered Kakama, who was the great-grandfather of the last Tembuzi king, Isaza. Being demigods with divine creative power, the Batembuzi did not die, but descended into the underworld, which was ruled by Nyamionga, brother to Isaza, and king of the underworld. Nyamionga had long harbored jealousy over his brother, who enjoyed the vast wealth of his earthly kingdom, while he himself had been banished to the underworld. And so he hatched a plot to revenge himself on his brother Isaza, and he vowed to wait patiently for his chance. One day while Isaza was tending his cattle, a beautiful young woman, a stranger to Chitara, approached him, trailing behind her the most beautiful cow, healthy with a lush brown coat and exceptionally long horns. He fell in love with the girl and courted her and she agreed to marry him. One day at the end of the harvest season, Isaza woke up to find that his wife was gone along with a majestic cow but most importantly with their son Isimbwa. Heartbroken but determined to find her, Isaza appointed his close confidant Bukuku as caretaker to the throne and then set out following the cow's hoofprints until he came to a great cave and from there descended into the bowels of the earth. There he found that his beloved wife Nyamate was the daughter of his old rival Nyamionga, 
And when Nyamionga saw that Isaza had taken the bait and traveled down to the underworld, he locked him up and vowed to never let him return to his earthly throne. There Isaza remains, his cries falling on his brother's deaf ears and shaking the earth's foundations, causing the earthquakes of the Intelacastrian. And so there ends the story of Isaza, the last king of the Batembozi dynasty. Many years passed and Isimbwa, son of Isaza and Nyamate, grew up under the watchful eye of his mother and grandfather. But when he came of age, he wandered off to the mouth of the great cave and began to make his way up back to Chitara. As he approached the land of his father, he heard crying from a nearby cave and there discovered a young woman. Her breasts had been cut off, her eyes removed, and she had been imprisoned. Isimbwa learned that her name was Nyinamwiru and she was the daughter to the caretaker of the throne of Chitara, Bukuku, the man that his father Isaza had entrusted with the throne until his return. Being only a pretender to the throne, a prophecy had foretold that one of Bukuku's descendants would overthrow him and take over power. As he had fathered only one daughter, Nyinamwiru, he maimed and imprisoned her so that no man would find her desirable. But Isimbwa took pity on her, and he loved her and took her as his wife, and they left Chitara to start a new life, and had a son who they named Ndahura. When Bukuku discovered that a stranger had freed his daughter and fled, he was furious, and ordered his army to search for the boy, Ndahura, and put him to death. When they were discovered, Ninamwiru pleaded for her son's life, but her father would not budge, and cast the baby into the Nile. But the gods were watching, and a porter rescued him and was directed to the caves known as Amaverega Nyinamwiru, the breasts of Nyinamwiru, where milk flowed from the walls and fed Ndahura until he grew big and strong. This is the area of the stalagmites and stalactites of modern-day Fort Porto. When he came of age, Ndahura left the caves and returned to his mother's people, and Benoist to his father, Bukuku. There he joined the ranks of the herdsmen, caring for the king's cattle and was responsible for Bihogo, the king's most prized cow. One fateful day, a lion attacked the herd and Bihogo was killed. Furious, Bukuku ordered that Ndahura be put to death. But Ndahura, now tired of running and determined to avenge his mother, slipped past the palace guards and into Bukuku's quarters. There, he revealed himself to his grandfather as Ndahura, son of Isimbwa and Inamwiru, and rightful heir to the throne of Chitara, before sparing Bukuku to death. And so his people welcomed Ndahura as the first king of the Batrezi dynasty. Like their predecessors, the Batembuzi, the Batrezi are said to have possessed divine powers. However, their origins are also shrouded in mystery, with some debate among historians as to whether they really existed. However, it is believed that the Trezi ruled for about 200 years from the 14th century to the 16th century, and according to oral tradition, two kings ruled the empire, Ndahura and Wamara. Some accounts include a third king, Mulindwa, Ndahura's half-brother, who is said to have preceded Wamara to the throne, ruling from the administrative capital at Bigo Vyamgeni. 
The Batrezi are credited with the introduction into the Great Lakes region of the unique long-horned Ancole cattle, coffee growing, iron smelting, and metalworking, and the first organized and centralized governments under the king. Regardless, it is believed that the epoch of the Batrezi must have been very short, as supported by the fact that only three kings are recorded under its history. It is said that an ancient prophecy had foretold that the end of the empire would be heralded by the death of the king's beloved cow, Bihogo. No one knows exactly what happened to the Batrezi, but there is no shortage of legends about their disappearance. Some claim that they migrated westward and disappeared into Lake Mwitanzige or Lake Albert. Others that they disappeared into Lake Wamala, which bears the name of the last king of the dynasty. But the popular belief among scholars is that they simply assimilated into the surrounding population and are today the tribal groups of the Bahima of Ankole and the Tusi of Rwanda. However, sometime around the 15th century, the Chwezi dynasty began to decline and fade into the annals of history. Which brings us to the final chapter in this tale. Alongside the prophecy of the death of the cow Bihogo, another prophecy had been foretold of an army, dark as night, that would invade Chitara from the north. And so the Luo invasion marked the final blow that led to the collapse of the Trezi Empire in fulfillment of this prophecy. Around 1500 AD, under the weak leadership of Wamara and further weakened by disease and famine, the Trezi kingdom was overrun by the Luo under the leadership of Isingoma Rukidi Mpuga I. After the Luo conquest, Chitara became the Bunyoro Chitara Empire and thus established the Babito dynasty with Isingoma Rukidi Mpuga I becoming the first Omukama. Here is an account of the invasion of the Luo according to one historian, Father Joseph Pascal Krasolara. Olum led the bulk of the Luo hordes, who were for the time being still in favor of proceeding on their southward march towards Bunyoro. After a march of about 30 miles, they reached the shore of the Nile and Lake Albert in Luo on Lake Bonyo, meaning it may kill the locusts. There they searched for a ford and found Fajao, where they crossed, and so the Luo had invaded northern Bunyoro. They marched on and presently came upon people who trembled at their sudden appearance. The Luo were a sight, the absolute arbiters of this population, who had no time left to think and tried to repel such an unexpected mass of invaders. The natives with what they owned became by law of conquest the serfs and property of the Luo, left unconditionally to their arbitrary disposal, a prey of undisputed victors. Within a few days and breaking at sight any sporadic signs of armed resistance, they were now masters of war tactics. The Luo fighting force had occupied the centers and main places of Bunyoro and beyond. An unresistable, awful, marvelous people had spread its shadows over the old country. Confusion, bewilderment, admiration had seized everybody. As the Luo were not wantonly bloodthirsty, the population experienced much better conditions than they might have expected, and their unqualified submission did not justify any harshness from the Luo, who looked at them as a valuable addition to their ranks. The new masters took over full powers in the country, and they have ever since held them peacefully as far as the subjugated and assimilated native population is concerned. 
the ruling dynasty of Bunyoro Chitara descends from the Luo conquerors. With this quotation, we enter the third phase of the empire of Chitara under the Babito dynasty. As the inheritors of the Batrezi Empire, the Babito are said at the beginning of their hegemony to have ruled a vast country which included the whole of modern Uganda, extended as far as Kavirondo to the east, and in the north from the borders of Abyssinia to the middle of the land now called Congo to the west, and to the south, Lake Tanganyika. With their dynamism, so we are told, the new rulers of Bunyoro Chitara are believed to have injected life into the decaying empire and instead of remaining lords of petty principalities of pastoralists, the Luo extended their power to the east of the Nile and to the southeast along the shores of Lake Victoria. Eventually, the Bunyoro Chitara empire disintegrated as various states broke away, thus becoming independent kingdoms and sub-dynasties some of which include modern-day Ankole, Buganda, and Musoga. And that is where our tale ends today. As always, I have taken artistic license with some of the details, but the broad strokes remain true. Any errors, omissions, or mispronunciations are mine. For more details on the sources I used for this story, please see the description box. Thanks for listening. Give us a like and subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed this episode and follow me on Twitter at Eskentaro to continue the conversation. I hope you'll be back for the next one. Goodbye for now.